0: You are listening to a brand new series to First Team Podcast called First Team Podcast Extra Time with your host, John Frashante, and former professional soccer player in the United States and for the Barbados national team, Kiso Kiesel, welcome back to uh, First Team Podcast Extra Time. We're going to talk about the NPSL on this week's episode. And I don't know if a lot of fans are aware, but you played for the Pittsburgh Hotspurs. And they're not affiliated with Tottenham, I don't believe, right? Uh, I guess they're just fans. But in 2019, you played in the NPSL with the Pittsburgh Hotspurs. Can you talk about your experience with that club? How did that go? in the npsl
1: yeah um honestly i had a great experience
0: um Mm -hmm. with the
1: Pittsburgh hotspurs it was um first year in the league so a little bit of growing pains and but it it was a good group of young guys um and what they're really trying to do is bridge that gap from their academy teams up to you know what would be the first team to npsl so we had a lot of academy guys um in training and things like that, I thought it was a great experience for them just to kind of play with some college kids, some ex-pros throughout the summer uh, to kind of gain the skill sets. And even for the goalkeepers, you know, we had a we had a great opportunity to um, work together, um, uh, kind of on the off season or like when we didn't have practice, just to get a couple extra sessions in together. But overall, a great coaching staff, uh, guys on the team were awesome. Um, it was just a good environment to be in for sure.
0: The one thing that I really noticed was that uh, they lacked finishing, right? So you can really see just how unprofessional the product is. I know it's meant to be a college league, a summer college league, but I guess um, when you look at how much money is spent to put the games on, right? And I don't know if fans or players are aware about this one, but the league wants each ownership group to have. I think it's about fifty to seventy-five to a hundred grand, right? So the minimum is fifty to seventy-five grand, upwards to a hundred thousand dollars for a college summer league. So as a player that played in that league in 2019, can you maybe see uh, that professionalism there? Can you see that the money went to the right thing, to the right investment, or? do you think it was just a waste of time when it came to that big investment there? No, honestly, I thought
1: with what the Hotspurs were doing, it was a mm-hmm. good investment because it gave an opportunity for the academy players to play at a higher level, especially if they've shown the capability to play at that level. And uh, so It wasn't the best season. Obviously, first year, You know, we, I think the chemistry was probably one of our biggest issues, but I think that the investment was a good investment and I think that um, once everything gets back up and running and COVID kind of, you know, is subsided or there's a vaccine comes out or whatever, and the league's back up and running, that the Hotspurs would be a, a good quality team in the in conference or in the division. Um, and it's going to yield good quality players because um, within this, that Pittsburgh area, you have a, a couple of Division One college schools on top of some D2 and D3 ones as well. So there's not any um, lack of talent Um for them, but I think they definitely put the money in the right spots, and we were taken care of. Like when it came to away trips or home games, whatever the case was, um, the, the club and the organization uh, took care of all the players. So I was very happy with my time there for sure. Because for me, I I feel like I waited a little bit too long to get into those summer league teams. Yeah, I wasn't until going into my my junior year of college that I played on a, a PDL team.
0: Yeah, or yeah. Now I
1: guess USL League Two.
0: I saw so, that the um. um... They uh, tweeted about our episode. Do you know the. Yeah, oh, the Nor'easters. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the Nor'easters. Yes. Yeah, so hmm. I played.
1: That was going into my senior year, but the year before that, I played for the Red, Red United in Pennsylvania as well. Yeah. So I, I feel like if I, maybe that summer before, even going into the, our freshman year, if I would have played on whether an NPSL, NPSL team or another PDL team, whatever the case was, I would have prepared myself a little bit more for college, but. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for players to get games, especially during the summer, and keep sharp.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And um, there is soccer wars at every single level, which is very sad. But um, we had Tony, who is the Chief Executive Officer of uh, Palm Beach Stars, on this week's episode of First Team Podcast. And he said, and this is a direct quote, he said that he believes that the UPSL and the NPSL should merge and create one A big league, one national league, one championship, and they're all fighting for one trophy. So do you believe in that notion of one competitive, I guess, official, unofficial Division 4? We currently have two closed leagues, two closed businesses, and they're all fighting against each other.
1: Honestly, I think I think I don't think, I don't see why it would be a bad idea. Just because with that many teams, mm-hmm. you could maybe make at least two different leagues, and you could do the promotion and relegation right there.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. and
1: that, that gives players something to fight for. Um, you know, some some teams might be can pay players, things that pay players and things like that.
0: The problem with the NPSL, in my opinion. Is that I think because it's a very short sample size. I think it's good if a club is trying to start out, right? So if you play less matches, you have your off season. You know what I mean, and you're able to control your budgets. But then when you're in this league, that says, well, hey, it's 20 grand to start your team. It's maybe 50 to 100 thousand dollars for your yearly budget. And now we're talking about real money now. And then when you talk about the business side, for the most part, in some markets, they're not having a return on their investment. Besides your Detroit City FCs, maybe your Chattanoogas that played in the NPSL, you're not really seeing uh, that money back. I think that's the downside. But I, I think when you're talking about on the field and uh, college players being developed, there's a long list, right? There's a very long list of uh, NPSL alumni that played in or that are currently playing in Major League Soccer. So I think that's why they're around, right? They have that yearly Major League Soccer combine, which I guess is great for players that don't get drafted.
1: Yeah, I think it is. I mean, it's a great opportunity for them to get looks uh, from other other places. Um actually, the biggest thing is the more eyes that are on you, the better.
0: Yeah, and lastly here, I think a lot of people, they always say like, hey, in the United States, we will never see a Jamie Vardy, right? We will never see a Jamie Vardy in U.S. soccer. But I think the NPSL have that model to a certain extent to where that lower-level talent could possibly be seen in a combine. Uh, but what people are trying to say is that that talent is never able to move up the pyramid in the form of pro-rel. So that talent is basically not in the top of the game, which is sad, but they need to work harder, I guess. They need to work harder to stick out, right? So maybe be the top goal scorer or be a very exciting player.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I mean, if you look at someone like Jamie Vardy, who played in like the 5th Division of England, 6th Division, a couple years ago, and now he's England's number nine, besides Harry Kane, I mean... That, that, that really can't ha- happen here in the States just because the only way that that, that Jamie Vardy gets to that level is by that consistent promotion year after year after year. So where here, you can have somebody win the NPSL, and, you know, it's great, awesome, great, great. You know what I'm saying? Like, do they get that opportunity, or are they going to go on trial, right? They can go on trial and, and do poorly, um, and then they don't get that chance again. You know what I'm saying? So it's just... Being able to be at that top level and play against the top teams is what makes players better by that consistent competition at that high level no matter where they go.
0: And one last thing here. What are your thoughts on clubs offering maybe paid trials or paid tryouts? Because the main example right now is 1904 FC. Uh, They're in the National Independent Soccer Association. And they're offering, I think it's a 10-day trial Right, So they're not going with a two, three-day tryout. They're going with a 10-day trial, but they want people to pay. And I think it's $500. I could be wrong, but it's a couple hundred dollars. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that when soccer is meant to be a working-class sport? right? It's not meant to be that upper-class sport, that elite sport.
1: Um, see, that's tough. I mean, I get it that there's a business to it and you mm-hmm. have to make money. Yeah, but if you're gonna if you're gonna have guys like prime example, I mean I don't know the ins and outs, but yeah. I would hope that if they're gonna make somebody pay five hundred dollars to be on trial for ten days, mm-hmm. that they would at least put them up in a halfway decent hotel yeah. or, or pay for at least one or two of the meals because you know five hundred dollars is obviously an expense in itself. But people that are from different parts of the country still have to travel to get there. And I'm sure that's not going to be taken care of. But if the room if the room was taken care of, at least get one meal a day, maybe two. That would maybe make it worth it, but just to pay $500 to go on trial and not get anything back, it's just maybe a hope or a prayer that you get a contract. Um, It's tough, you know, so I get that there's a business side to it, but in my head, if a coach wants a player, he's going to get that player one way or the other.
0: I believe the reason why they're doing it, and maybe we will talk about this on another episode because I think it's a very important topic because I think there's a lot of clubs that do do this, and maybe it does hold that messy back right that American uh, super kid back because we do see the likes of Christian Pulisic right but maybe he comes from a more upper class background right so I think at 1904 FC I think you need to cover for your own travel your own hotel and things like that and that's where especially in the United States things become very pricey so and uh, just to be exact here to book your spot to the scouting camp it's 550 dollars And it's a 10-day training camp with a 1904 FC pro staff, five training sessions, which are two hours and I think 15 minutes here, sessions, uh, weekly video analysts, individual player scouting report, and with the possibility of signing as a pro. You could sign, but you can also see and and be in touch with professional coaching staff. I think for some players, it is probably a massive appeal, right? Oh, a professional oh, sure. team. That's great. That's my opportunity. Five hundred and fifty dollars. Well, I have that, <laughs> so I can you know, become a professional player. So,
1: I definitely see the attractiveness of it for sure. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I'm just um, knowing me and myself. Is yeah. Especially, it's just yeah, I just I wouldn't pay five hundred dollars uh, to go try out for a team. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. You know, if I had to, if I had to pay my way, that's one thing. But the trial itself was free. But the fact that I have to still pay my way self-debate so for the tryout, not knowing, you yeah. know, what, what other... Because like I said, you think about it, they're a professional club, they have scouts, they have people that are talking to yeah, agents about yeah. every position. You know what I'm saying? So
0: Yeah, that's the most shocking thing, and we will end there, is that you would think a professional team would uh, get sent various emails each day saying, hey, sign this player, here's this player, or maybe they're seeing... Um, tape, right? They're watching videotapes. And also in professional soccer, you can just watch the games that you're playing, right? So right. you could see who you're playing against. And for the New York Cosmos, I don't think they would ever have to do that. They would just have to see who's the top players in their league. They did that in the NASL with the likes of Hans Dennison and people like that. They just signed... The top players in the league and i hope that's what nisa sort of turns into is like each team has their own model but i don't want to see that i would rather people trying to sign either their local players or proven professional players